Hey, good afternoon, and welcome to a special edition of our podcast. Today, we're going to be doing an interview with the nearly world-famous artist, comedian, screenwriter, Ray Sumcher. How are you, Ray? Uh, Doing pretty good. I'm on uh, day three of uh, isolation mode and uh, doing pretty good with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so where are you isolated, and um, and how are, how are you keeping the coffers full in your house? Uh, well, I am uh, here isolated in San Rafael, uh, living uh, with my girlfriend Justice, uh, and we both, as of yesterday, uh, shifted uh, to being full time work from home people, um, and. Right now, that means for her, her she's a full-time graphic designer and social media manager for a beauty company, um, and I am a part-time teacher, uh, and we have both now shifted to uh, Zoom meetings and uh, general uh, telecommunication uh, to, to keep things moving. That's great. So why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself? Tell me, tell me about Ray a little bit. All right. Uh, I'm Ray Sumser, and I'm the host of the podcast, Son, uh, for those who noticed the similarity in last name. And uh, my story is basically that I am an artist. I have been a practicing, continuous artist in one form or another since uh, before my memory begins. So I know that I was drawing from age five and it's always been uh, just the pastime. It's, it's what I do when I, when there's something else. And that has taken me through, uh, it took me to art school and it has taken me back and forth across the country several times uh, through several different big projects and very different iterations of my life. Uh, I currently find myself uh, in a prolonged period of uh, self-education, uh, which is actually in me becoming more involved in the education of others, um, if uh, only just as part of it. So, so let's How's explore that? that a little bit. What do you mean by what do you mean by self education? Tell me about your tell me about your um, um, journey there and how you figure out where to go. Because you've been you've been at learning beyond the boundaries of the educational infrastructure for a long time, um, and and pretty pretty. Um, uh, persistent about it. So, so, so talk about self-education as a value. Well, so the story that I tell is that I grew up an artist and I could, it's not that I could always draw, but I was always ahead of the curve in terms of drawing uh, compared to any of my peers. And so I had this notion from early on that there were, people who and people who made music and athletes and just everyone having different skill sets that they were innately able to do. And so there was a whole range of things for me that always felt uh, outside of my limits because 
I thought that I just wasn't the type of person who could do that. I thought I was an artist uh, only. And as early as high school, I was really fighting against the idea of being only an artist. Uh, but I didn't really have any I didn't have any great success with the other things I tried to do. And it wasn't until the end of college where I felt that I actually started my active learning process because at the end of college, I got my first ukulele and over the course of maybe two years, I became a relatively competent amateur ukulele player and going through that process and, and being over 20 years old and digging into a skill set that I had absolutely zero innate talent for and being able to see the process go from zero skill to a relative degree of experience really opened up my mind to, well, what else can you learn and what else can you do that, that has not been innate to you? And I believe, Yes, uh, 2009 I graduated, so that's going on 10 years of pretty, pretty aggressive prioritizing of seeing what I can learn and how I can improve my knowledge and skill set. So that's, that, that's, that's an amazing sounding trajectory. What are some of the things that you've learned? What, what are some of the big categories I've you've explored? Learned, yeah. I've learned so much about the necessity of rules. When I went through art school, it was sort of anything they told me, it was my priority to figure out the opposite and to try and do something that, that beat that system I was being presented with. And what music especially has shown me, and it applies in so many other places, is that, you know, with them, uh, but you have to kind of master the rules. You have to master the technique before you can break the system. It's, it's much better to uh, figure out how things work and get really good at how things work than to try and completely reinvent the wheel. Um, and so what's been really important to me is, you know, uh, an understanding and a humility about learning how things are done, but also a sort of a desire for less work in that process. So yes, there are rules and there are some really convenient rules in almost any subject that make it a lot easier to start getting uh, functional in whatever the media we're talking about is. So, so music is a is a pretty crisp example, but but I think you're suggesting that every topic that you can look into, you can find basic principles to build from. How do you discover that, right? Because because there isn't always a book that says here are the basic principles to start with in depth psychology, for instance, or or the bits of, you, I know you've spent a lot of time looking at perception and, and the elements of perception. Um, how, do you, how do you find those, those rules in places that, that are not oriented to give that information away to the casual observer? 
Well, it's interesting. I don't think that those rules are actually even there in music. My, my experience, except, you know, with, with, the, with the exception of a, a few really specific teachers I've worked with, uh, it's basically the way I've come to any uh, universal understanding in any of the media is by reading a number of different perspectives and then seeing where the overlap is and be whether that's in uh, uh, neuro-linguistic programming or in screenwriting or in painting composition, uh, there's something about seeing the, seeing what different people have said about it and seeing where the overlap is and seeing how one model of looking at a subject relates to another model. And I think that's where the rules are is you look at the two different interpretations and you see how they might be the same, or you see where there's overlap. And if you do that with enough, you know, if your collection of interpretations is big enough, then you can start to see, oh, the same shape shows up here, 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 and here. And it starts to become somewhat unavoidable if it's all seems abstract now, but it's the, the principle seems to kind of emerge out of a collection of different perspectives on the issue. So, so it sounds sort of like um, you find enough introductions to the topic so that you can see what's common across the introductions. Um, can you do that all the way through mastery or, or does this framework that you're talking about finding um, serve as a base for getting functional and mastery is something that you discover um, as the result of having built a foundation. Yeah, I'd say that's true. I, I think I might be, I don't know if I would consider myself masterful at any specific medium other than I might be becoming a master at picking up new media. Uh, but I think that, I think that mastery is is possibly another way of saying that the skill set ha- has become unconscious, that the that what you're trying to do has become automatic, and is something that you don't have to consciously consider each action in order to complete the task. And to me, that is that's basically where the really wonderful stuff happens. You figure out the principles, you learn them and you train them in on a muscular level. And then when you don't have to think about it, that's when there's this possibility for spontaneous generation uh, that is uh, maybe it looks like mastery from another perspective, but it really just looks like sort of the ego getting out of the way. Uh, from my point of view. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. I, I, I wonder if anybody ever feels, it's, it could be almost the kiss of death to believe that you've mastered something. Um, uh-huh. um, but, but, but the appearance of mastery, the smoothness, the, the, the ability to handle um, complexity and surprise um, in the discipline 
is I, I think what I'm talking about is mastery. The the, the it's it's, mm-hmm. it's a facility it's a facility rather than an end state. Um, mm-hmm. um, um, so. So, what does a typical day for you look like? I mean, this is this is a big learning adventure that you've just laid out here. Um, how do you organize your time, and what does a day look like? Well, it's pretty amorphous. Uh, my general uh, state of being is a balance between that thing that I really want to do right now and the most pressing expectation of another person. Uh, so, I usually am. <laughs> bouncing back and forth between on a list that says, who do I owe something to next? And can I complete that so that I can go back to the thing that I actually want to do? I would say that's pretty much 99% of my life. Um, is, and, and it's great because I found out that actually the expectations of others is a great way to motivate more work out of me because it actually causes me to do the work, uh, even if I have to do it uh, kicking and screaming. But a typical day to me is uh, I'm generally around my house and studio, and I'm generally producing some kind of creative work, and the more money that it's likely to generate, the less I'm enjoying it. Uh, presently, I'm not so disciplined in mornings, but over the past five or so years, I've uh, landed at the ability to, to launch a routine and keep it rolling for a while. And that routine most recently has taken the form of uh, get up, go for a, a one mile run with my girlfriend, Justice, uh, do a watercolor painting, write a page of dialogue in the screenwriting program, and then do my daily indoor exercises and practice what is the and practice mandolin is the last one um so i basically have 10 boxes that i try to complete every day and they shift based on what i'm most passionate about and feeling i need to learn at present um and i can if i can get myself to check all three boxes for about three days in the in a row i'm pretty likely to have a a month-long run of touching those items every day uh, and not in a deep way, but I found that it's much, much, much better to do uh, sort of a constant grazing type of work with learning and creating media than it is to do a big deep dive or cram. Got it. So how do you pick the things that you're going to learn next? Uh, exclusively by interest. I, I really have a, I really do have a hard time um, motivating to things that are not internally compelled. Um, and I, I think, I think often I'd be better at doing work that is uh, not what I am most passionate about, but it's essentially, I look at things and think about how much time I could spend doing them without having to be externally motivated. And the way I make my choices is that I, if something excites me, to give it that attention and I see if it's something that I can build. And if the practice of actually investigating and investing time in that interest 
uh, further, you know, if the interest grows from that, then that means that there's something there that I should put more time into. So we were talking the other day and you said, uh, if you're going to learn a new instrument, always start with a crappy instrument. And, and I've been thinking about that ever since. So, so tell me a little bit about that. What, is, what does that mean to you? I was thinking about that because you responded so strongly to that. And I think it's actually nothing more complicated than I think the best tools you could possibly hope to have can be a total barrier to entry. Because if you hand me a really, like, a, you know, a $5,000 violin, it's kind of, it's kind of intimidating. I don't, re- don't want to break it. I don't, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm worthy of, of such a thing. But to have something, and I learned this from ukulele, to have something that you can throw in your backpack, if it gets run over by a car, you're down 20 bucks. And it's, it's, a, it's a non-imposing instrument and i think that there's i think that there can be a real intimidation i've found that it's easier to teach people ukulele because it's not uh it's not an intimidating thing it's not very serious you know even a cheap violin can be intimidating because it's a serious thing and i think a a junky instrument or something you got for free or that was a hand-me-down is a great thing because there's really no pressure to it and so it can just be uh fun got it so so let me switch gears a little bit you've been doing this watercolor project for well over a year now tell me about that and tell me tell me how you find the motivation to do a different watercolor every day well i will admit that i last year i did basically about every single day I would get up and do a watercolor painting in the morning. This year has been much slower, and I actually, I think, I think I got, I think I was set back with the winter, and so I've only done about uh, 35 of the days this year so far. Uh, that comes from I was living in New York, and I was trying to make a name for myself as the painter of these big, complex cartoon pictures. Um, and I started to just get tired of the identity. I, I didn't always feel that I wanted to be simply associated with pop culture or um, what I might, I guess, I guess low art. Um, and I hadn't actually had a lot of experience with traditional painting practices. And uh, what, what I said, I, I ran into a, an art teacher of mine uh, a few months ago, and uh, she made me realize that watercolor painting is like the ukulele of fine arts. You know, for the longest time, I wanted to have uh, the, the music be something that I could carry with me and be non-imposing and be a casual practice. Uh, I was working on these big, giant oil paintings that required a studio and all sorts of preparation and uh, aeration and expensive media. But now I can actually have a daily practice as a visual artist and know that I'm building my skills in a traditional um, practice 
and it's something that can live on my desk or right next to my desk and I can pull it out and it's no big challenge. The landscapes themselves, I actually think it's just an opportunity to have a bit more organization to the same abstraction I was working with uh, from the end of college uh, on into the cartoon period because essentially once I established that what you're looking at is a hill and a lake under a sky, uh, if I could effectively communicate this information, the rest of it can just be abstract play and can just be kind of the joy of working with the media because I've given you that identifiable, well, this is what this is, and now I'm going to enjoy myself in the rendering and abstraction of it all. Interesting. That, that's really interesting. So if somebody wanted to see this project live, how do they find it? Well, presently it's raysumser.com and at raysumserlandscapes on Instagram. Uh, but neither of those is really a satisfactory outreach, and especially in this current uh, climate where we're, we're all trapped inside, I'm feeling a great need to, to build a bigger platform. And so there will be things emerging there soon uh and i and i suppose that the the instagram and the website will both be updated when that emerges at the at the moment it's it's mostly static and daily posts on instagram so you you talked about an interesting dynamic and that's the the you got you you built a really sturdy reputation for doing a particular thing and then you um started to run into the constraints caused by having that reputation. Um, do you think that's where that that's where learning about a specific arena takes you all the time? Or is that just um, a, an accident of, of a particular kind of beginning? Right. Is that right? I, I remember uh, we once went to see Van Morrison and Van Morrison bitched and moaned about having to play his hits. Um, mm -hmm. And it seems to me that it's kind of an analogous problem uh, where where the the audience or the world saw him in one way and he was busy trying to develop and progress in other ways. And he was furious that he was being drawn back to things that he'd already done. Is that what is that what you're talking about? To some extent, yes. I know that before I before I wanted to be an artist, I knew that I didn't want to have a traditional job and I didn't want to have to show up and be accountable and do the same thing on repeat every day of my life. Um, and I've heard plenty of other artists when I when I tell that story, I've heard a lot of other artists say, yeah, well, you know, once it, once it becomes a job, you lose your love for it. Um, and I think that there's something to that, but I know that there are many artists who uh, are successful and are, do what they love and are satisfied with it. So I don't think it's a, inherently that once you get locked into your style or your path, that it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, and I think I also, I, you know, there were particular hangups with that 
type of work that I did not want to be. I didn't always want to be uh, serving people nostalgia and then always want to be having to include uh, references to pop culture in my work. You know, it's, I wanted, I also wanted to have something that could be fully my own. And so I don't think that, I think that there's certainly uh, art and success in art that you can have and be happy with. I don't know what you do if you've been playing Brown Eyed Girl for 40 years and nobody wants to hear the album that you just released. Uh, but I think that's a, probably a pretty good problem to have. It sounds like a pretty good problem to have. So so this has been a great conversation. Would you um, take a moment and reintroduce yourself and tell people how they might find you again? Sure thing. Uh, my name is Ray Sumser. I am an artist uh, working in landscape painting, sketch comedy, and mandolin presently. And you can see my... Uh, broad general Instagram at Ray Sumser, and that's inclusive of everything that I do from teaching to going on walks to playing music uh, and all the art that happens therein. Uh, and to get a specific feed that is just my landscape paintings, you can go to Ray Sumser Landscapes uh, and to see the ongoing collection, uh, raysumser.com is the website. Thanks, Ray. It's been great talking with you. Um, thanks for taking the time to do this today. Um, we've been talking with Ray Sumser, who is a multimedia artist whose work explores underlying structural analogies between diverse art disciplines. Um, you can learn more about Ray at raysumser.com. And thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you back here sometime soon. Bye-bye now. Okay, pick me up. I'm going to hang up this and pick me back up on Zoom. Okay, sounds good.